official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Demi, and I'm joined by Justin and Manny. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be a Chelsea uh, fan um, episode just because uh, Manny is very happy. Uh, we're actually recording in the morning on Monday, where you can imagine Manny basically forced us to record at this time. That <laughs> happened on Saturday. Um, but we got to congratulate Chelsea. Um, uh, against all odds, they, they won. They, they weren't, they were seen as the underdogs. Um, but what I'm going to do right now is give Manny the floor to set the record straight, as you said to me uh, before we started to record. Um, so Manny, first of all, um, how are you feeling and um, how shocked were you about the win of, of the Champions League? In the words of the great Michael Scott, how the turntables. How the turntables, okay? Please. That, that, that is how I'm going to start off this podcast. You said it best right now. I think the whole story of Chelsea has always been the underdog. Every time that we accomplish something, it's always like the underdog mentality. And, and we had this conversation before we even started recording. Not a single pundit from uh, all of the, the precast uh, – of the broadcast shows that I watched, nobody had Chelsea winning. Everybody said, City, this is Pep, this is Aguero's uh, swan song, Aguero's going to score in the final, and he's going to, you know, ride off into the sunset as the champion, because uh, he promised um, City fans that he would never leave City until he won them a Champions League trophy, and nobody gave City, uh, uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, even a remote chance. Um, I think that that is really, honestly, what it comes down to is the mentality of the players. And I think that's what we have to attribute the success to is the teamwork, uh, the mentality that Thomas Tuchel, the culture change that he brought in, uh, you know, since taking over from Lampard. Because let's be honest, nobody would have predicted that Chelsea would have been in the final uh, in January when we fired a legend, a, a club legend for Thomas Tuchel, who had just been fired as well from PSG. Like there was no way anybody would have you know, predicted that. And the fact that, you know, in such a short amount of time, he went and he changed the, the culture, the mentality, I think, is, is really what led us to where we are. Um, on the, you know, what I saw on, on the game on Saturday was not just one player standing out. I saw 11 players like hustling, like playing their all playing as if it was like the last game that they were ever played. Um, you know, they were, to your point, they were defensively very organized, well structured in the back, but every time someone lost the ball, I saw two, three players hustling back. You know, it was like nonstop. Even the players that seemed to have not a good game, like Timo Werner, for example, he was running around. He never stopped, you know, being a nuisance. He never stopped running into spaces, creating those plays off the ball, on the ball. I think it was a team effort overall collectively. And um, actions speak louder than words. I, I never said we were going to go in there confident. I never said we were going to do any of that stuff. No, don't I do that. Said, don't do, no, no, don't, no, don't do no. that, I'm Manny. Be, I'm not going to become the, the Chelsea fan that you that you despised, Bori, where we <laughs> where you said that we, like, bring up, you know, read all the tea leaves and do this and that, and we're so annoying. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be gracious. I'm going to be a gracious winner, all right? Uh, hey, Manny, were you one of those people that thought that were like, you know, how everyone was connecting 2021 to 2012? Basically, the same things happened where, you know, the manager was sacked at a certain mo month. Um, and then, you know, all these things happened. Were you, is that why you believe that you were going to win? Because you can't tell me that, like you said, even in, in March, you can't tell me that you thought that you, Chelsea was going to win the Champions League. No. So I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't buy into the, you know, those omens, but any Chelsea fan, any true Chelsea fan will know that there were at least like six or seven events that occurred this season in the exact same manner that it occurred in 2012 when Chelsea won the Champions League. Uh, things that were absurd, uh, one of them being that we lost to Arsenal back to like our two games. The, the, the only season that we've lost to Arsenal in the league twice 
was in 2012 when we won the Champions League and this year. And, um, you know, it's like little things like that where there's a lot of similarities and parity between that season and, and this season. You know, we got a, uh, a Portuguese team in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, our top goal scorer in the Champions League had six goals, which was Drood. Same thing uh, for uh, the 2012 campaign with uh, Drogba. And then we get a, you know, we beat Barcelona, a Spanish giant, in the semifinals to go on to the final in 2012. And then we just beat Real Madrid, another Spanish giant, this year. So at some point, I think it becomes, you know, it's, it's human nature to think, okay, so many things are lining up here. Like maybe this is really happening, you know? But the one thing that I think made me concerned or have doubt uh, whether we could pull it off or not was the fact that we were going up against, quote-unquote, the greatest coach that's ever lived with, quote-unquote, the greatest that squad Mourinho? that's... No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Mourinho's best friend. It's Mourinho's best friend. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and honestly, um, with, with Pep Guardiola, you just, you just never know, um, you know, what, what's going to happen. But I will say that I took... I was a slightly more confident once we beat him two times in a row within the span of six weeks leading up to the um you know because you don't get to pull uh wins like that over a a a coach a a coach of pep's caliber um without doing something right like you know it's one of those things where like we talked about it bori lightning doesn't strike you know twice or even three times and then this uh, you know so I got to give credit to to the team, and I think we all have to give credit where credit's due. All right. Um, what what I want to do is unprecedented. I have to hear from uh, another uh, London team fan, um, and that's Justin. Um, Justin, how are you holding up uh, in the midst of all this? I mean, you don't even live in London, but I'm sure it feels like you live in London right now um, because of all the noise that you're probably seeing on social media. Um, I've stayed off social media for the most part. Uh, I mean, I typically, I, I'm not really fully engaged in social media anyways, but I was dreading coming on here and hearing um, from the mouth of a, fan, a Chelsea fan. Uh, but Manny's being very gracious, so he's doing it, which I think is can be more than, can be said for a lot of perhaps his brethren in the Chelsea fandom, but, but I appreciate it. And I got to give credit where credit is due, like Manny said, so... You know, it is what it is. Uh, Chelsea won. They deserve to win. I think we need to get into the actual, like, breaking down the game. That's, I think, a lot of interesting tactical decisions, a lot of play, a lot of players specifically. I want to, like, call out both the good and the ill. So I'm looking forward to getting into that stuff. But congratulations to to Chelsea. And then also to former Arsenal manager Unai Emery and to Villarreal for winning the Europa League. And we can maybe spend a little bit of time talking about, at least talking about the crazy penalty shootout that led to their victory. Uh, but credit to both of them. I think the only fandom, team fandom, that could feel worse than Arsenal's, though, it would be uh, PSG. Because imagine not just one of your manager rejects, two manager rejects. <laughs> Emery and Tuchel, both former managers of PSG and disposed of because they weren't quote unquote good enough. Both of them win European uh, trophies this season. So I think that's the only fandom that could be a little bit more down in the dumps. And then obviously if you you're from the city of Manchester, I guess you're feeling pretty bad too, going over two for your city. Wait, wait, I have a question for, uh, for Justin. First off, I appreciate the kind listen, but I'm surprised you didn't give a shout out to a uh, former uh, Arsenal, I don't know if he's a legend now, if he ever was a legend, one Olivier Giroud, who has gone on to win a Europa League trophy and Champions League trophy since le leaving Arsenal. How do you feel about that? Uh, the same way I felt about Van Persie going to Manchester United and winning trophies. So, not good. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Giroud, I don't need Giroud, Olivier Giroud, he's got his trophies. He's like one of the most handsome men in the world. I don't think he needs my uh, applause 
to feel any better. I think he's doing okay. So no, no, no credit to Giroud. None. <laughs> hey, uh, Giroud, uh, Giroud is, uh, is linked to AC Milan, um, so maybe he'll bring that aura, and maybe we'll win the Champions League next season. But let's I, let's actually dive into Germany. the game. Let, let's dive into the game. Um, I, I think the, I mean, maybe Manu, you can, I, I don't know if there's anything we can break down from a Chelsea side, because I think Chelsea played like Chelsea. They're very, uh, you know, at least after Tuchel, they've been a very defensive side. Um, Kante leading the line, or not leading the line, but leading the, the midfield, basically, and, and commanding, you know, the defense, basically, um, which which shut down uh, City. But I think all eyes just points to what um, uh Pep did. Um, and the, the glaring thing for me um, is, you know, Pep is known for overthinking things sometimes. Um, so let's break down. Let's let's just start from the defense um, and just, you know, Pep played in this normal 4-3-3 formation. Um, Kyle Walker on the right side, Stones, you know, playing center back, Diaz also playing center back, and then Zinchenko playing left back. Um, does that, is that, I think that that makes. I think everyone here agrees that 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 is a normal, regular starting uh, defensive four for City, right? Um, okay. Well, since I got a yes from both of you. Uh, yes. No, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say okay. no. I'm gonna say no, and Why? I'm gonna say no because. Uh, so two things. Um, Zinchenko wasn't like the automatic starter, and he hasn't been with City. Um, the last time, the the last two times, obviously leading up to this game, uh, it was like Mendy and Cancelo at the back, and I think that Pep tried to change that because you know trying to deal with like Chelsea's speed up front. So I was actually surprised to see Kyle Walker in there and not Cancelo, who I think is I, a I don't better know overall player. I, I think I mean I, I think Kyle Walker played very well. I mean, uh, for my opinion, I don't think did, he made the did did he though? He was at a position for for the goal. He got I mean, caught up in between there, the two. There was a whole broken the play. Runs. They were all the Man City's whole formation was totally broken for the goal. But I don't know. I mean, Manny has a point, but also in Pep's side in Manchester City, the only two automatic starters are stones and diaz i guess and then everybody else is yeah uh you know fungible they get in and well, out so i i think I, this back, this back line made sense to me at least well, it's the midfield where to, we have to talk I, what i'm trying to understand actually before we go to midfield is is uh, uh i mean obviously i think we all agree that based on what mendy has been playing recently you would choose Sinchenko over mendy right my question is would you put Cancelo in on the left wing, um, which I think Cancelo can play as a left back also, um, but maybe that's not his best. Maybe his his dominant foot is his right leg. I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't put him. I think Pep knows more here, but um, I think well, if he was trying to go for more attacking style kind of thing, um, then he would choose he would choose Cancelo. But Zinchenko for me seemed like a more defensive. I'm not saying that Cancelo cannot defend, obviously, but I, I felt Zinchenko was a more stable person to put in the left-back position. Right. So as we know, and like I said, I think we all agree, we need to talk about Pep's midfield selections. That's the big... You mean uh, lack of? <laughs> well, he made some decisions. They they were just weren't the right ones. But um, uh, I agree. I, I think, Bori, that probably factored into it also. It's like It was clearly a more attack-minded midfield. So he's clearly thinking that he could play through the center. Chelsea kind of play on the wings mostly like they usually play five at the back with wing backs obviously like pe- players like Pulisic and Mount and Havertz they like operate best coming from like half spaces and then coming in so I think he thought that if I'm going to speculate on Pep's thinking and he's obviously on four fifth sixth dimensional chess so maybe I just can't comprehend his his uh, genius level intellect um, when he's making his squad selections but if I was to sec- speculate I think Pep was thinking he could play attacking through the middle and then just be more defensive on the wings. And that's why he chose Zinchenko over a player like uh, like Cancelo, who's better going forward, like Bori, like you said. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. let's let's just move on to the to the midfield then. Um, I, I think, again, we can agree that I think this is where the major problem started. And uh, I think I was confused myself, especially when I saw uh, Bernardo Silva. Um, not because that Bernardo Silva is not good, but I think it's probably more suitable to even play the right wing than the right mid. 
Um, but does anyone want to start and give a, a stab at like why Silva, Gundogan, and Foden? Okay, first of all, out of three of them, who who definitely made sense to put in there? Who out of the three, or maybe it's one or two people, uh, made sense to put in the midfield? Gundogan. Gundogan and Foden, no. I guess. Okay. Well, I mean, like, so, I don't know. I, I, so, De Bruyne also started nominally up top. But, you know, like, there's a lot of interchange and, like, players overlapping and things like that. So, the some combination of De Bruyne, Gundogan, and Foden makes sense to me. And then I agree with you, Bori. Like, having Silva in a more central role, even if there is some kind of overlap situation going on, it didn't. That was the big piece that was missing. You needed a, defense, a, a real holding defensive midfielder in in that slot. Manny, what do you think? I think um, I think Pep, uh, you know, did what we knew or we thought he was going to do again, uh, which was going to overthink and tinker way too much, and it's exactly what ha- happened uh, in the first game that Chelsea played and beat City, Pep played with his normal, you know, uh, two holding mids, right? Rodri, Fernandinho, they were in there. In the second game that Chelsea beat uh, City, he played with only one of them. And then in this final, on the bench, on, on the bench. And I think, like, it was one of those things where, as we were talking about it, he was just trying to probably, you know, compensate or overcompensate trying to squeeze maybe uh some of the players uh from Chelsea instead of bringing uh you know playing on the wings kind of bring it into the midfield where he thought he could put those quality players all those players that we've just mentioned that were in that midfield on Saturday were all players that are technically gifted they are quality players but again they're not the quickest players and they're not the strongest players and we know from what we had seen before that the midfield was pretty much where this, where these games are decided. It's the physicality. It's the it's a progression. It's a it's a work rate. You know, off the ball, on the ball, trying to get you know recover those those uh, broken plays. You know, trying to link up. And I was surprised when I saw the lineup. But if I'm honest, that's when I really thought we were going to win the game. As soon as I saw that lineup, I, I knew our chance had exceeded exponentially. Interesting. Um, so, so I guess, I guess we're, well, okay. So it sounds like Bernardo Silva was not supposed to be there, um, but Foden, and so, so would you have put in Fernandinho or a, a Rodri? Like who, who would you put in there? I would have put in, um, honestly, uh, I would have put, Fernandinho in there. Um, I know that he's older, uh, but he's been the captain of this side for quite some time as well. He has experience. Um, he knows what he's doing. We've we called it time and time again. We call him a dirty player, but he's a tactical fowler. Uh, he knows what he has to do, and he's not afraid to go in for a for a challenge for a tackle. You know, we saw it when he came on. Um, you know, they were winning the ball back. Uh, you know, um, often, and I was surprised not to see him in there. Um, if if you saw the, the the games that Chelsea lost, specifically, I think about the game against Arsenal, where in the way that we lost it, Arsenal played a very high line, as do City, but they pressured Jorginho into creating a mistake, a massive mistake, and that led to Arsenal's goal, and that was it. I think that the goals that have been scored against Chelsea have come from losing possession in the midfield with one of our holding mids, either Jorginho or Kovacic, uh, for example, in the, um, uh, in the FA Cup final. And I really thought that Pep would follow and try to follow that game plan as well and just pressure either Jorginho or Conte, uh, you know, up high. And I don't think that the likes of Silva are physical enough to, to you know, create that that turnover. Yep. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> so I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I, the only thing with, I mean, I, I always tend to sometimes go for experience too, but my only fear would be Fernandinho is, is obviously slower, but he has the experience. 
And then Fernandinho is hot-headed sometimes, and he could just get a red card. And, um, but I, at least in any case, I would have at least put Rodri in um, just because he's he was a more suitable um, defend uh, defensive mid going forward, uh, go, you know, in the lineup. Um, but I think the last one for me is the is the front line, right? So we have Maris, De Bruyne, and and Sterling. Um, I think we can all agree that Maris and De Bruyne does make sense to to have. Um, I think my beef here is with Sterling starting, and not because I don't think I think Sterling is a good player, um, maybe not a good finisher, but he's a good like winger. But I think the problem here for me is um, Sterling has not played too many games this season, right? Um, and I feel like he's not played too many games. I mean, okay, so he's played like he's not played too many important games this season compared to last season, and for a final. I think Sterling was not the right profile of player. Maybe Sterling could have been a right profile player coming in as a sub, um, but I just thought they could have switched things around and maybe put Foden in that in that position instead of Sterling and then switch that position with maybe Gundogan with uh, Foden's uh, position of Gundogan and then Rodri. But I don't know what your what your thoughts are about Sterling starting or, or maybe was Myers the other option that shouldn't have started. No, I'm with you. I, I agree with those lineup changes that you're laying out. I mean, hindsight is, you know, 2020. So it's easy to say now, although we, I think everybody was kind of thinking it before the game. So foresight was also, I think, probably spot on for a lot of the casual viewers. Uh, but again, Pep had something in mind and it just didn't come off. But um, I, I think I'm with you, Borean. If I had been in those shoes, the, that's the tactical and lineup decisions I would have made pre-game as well, is uh, Sterling out a player like Fernandinho or Rodri in and then move Foden further up the field. Yeah, and I'm sure Pep knows that Chelsea's defense has been, you know, tremendous, especially since Tuchel came in. Um, so I'm wondering why he didn't play someone like Aguero um, or, or, or Jesus from the I beginning. Mean, you, you're talking about like players who haven't played a lot in big games this year. That would be Aguero, you know. Well, so. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about experience here. Like we're talking about somebody that's a goal pusher, somebody that promised to win the Champions League before they left. Well, Gabriel is definitely not that. So I guess the way the way I'm thinking about it is, I'm just thinking like I would have just played De Bruyne in his, you know, in behind the strikers yeah. and then just. Feeding the like, because the problem is Chelsea is so defensive, and you have Conte in the in in the, in the mix. So you need to have a. I feel like you you need to have a striker that would be able to score, like you know, score and maybe half their chances, right? Or maybe let's say twenty percent of their chances. And you have probably, arguably, maybe the second best chance creator ever in that game. Um. So I, I don't know. I like you said. Hindsight is 2020, so maybe maybe I'm just talking because this has happened already, but I just felt like everyone knew that Chelsea was a defensive side, and I didn't understand why we, you know, why De Bruyne is leading the front line, even though we know that De Bruyne comes back and, and tries to create chances. But Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you hit on the most important part. The most salient point in all of this is um, N'Golo Kante. He, I, we, we talk about, I think we've talked about in the past how the way you differentiate really good players, great players from top, like world-class players is a world-class, a great player can influence a game, a world-class player, the opposition game plan specifically around that person. And I think Conte is that player. And I think that was perhaps some of the thinking behind Pep is how to play around the fact that Conte is all over the place, just they play Chelsea play like a two man midfield essentially, uh, but Conte is like a plus one to to that two man midfield. And Manny said at the beginning that you know uh, he really appreciated the hustle of Chelsea uh, when like in you know when they were transitioning back to defense that he had saw like two three players hustling back. Uh, yeah, those two three players it was it was Conte and then somebody else. It was always Conte. No, <laughs> and, and then it somebody was, else joining him. It, so you're right. It was N'Golo and Conte. It was two. That, that's what you were referring <laughs> exactly. to. It was N'Golo and Conte hustling back. Um, right. But I want to I want to call out what you said too. Uh, 
I think Kevin De Bruyne, and I noticed this from the get-go as well, and I think it was because of the formation that Pep put out, he did not look like the world-class Kevin De Bruyne. Like, he looked like he wasn't sure of himself playing in whatever role he was in. And I don't know if we, – we know that City plays similarly to how Chelsea play as far as, like, they don't have a true number nine uh, with, with Adam Guerra on the field. You know, they, they, they play like a false nine, right, the interchange – uh, between the, the, the top three. Um, but De Bruyne did not look comfortable at all. I mean, every time he got on the ball, it wasn't just N'Golo, like, you know, pressuring him or him losing the ball. It was Reese James, you know, nicking the ball off of him. It was uh, Spili Quetta. It was like all these players. I, I don't think he, he felt comfortable playing the role that he was playing in on Saturday. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed that as well. I mean, yeah. unfortunate, unfortunate that he got you know, injured and he, and he had to come off the, uh, off the field. But I honestly do not think he made an impact up to the point that he was playing. Like, I don't see it. I think for me, uh, uh, Bowden was doing a better job of being more impactful in the game than, than, than Kevin, uh, than KDB was. No, I, I think you're right. But in any case, I think if the right players have been playing in front of the Bruyne, um, so maybe not Sterling, um, I think he would have found them uh, in a sense, but yeah, I do agree. Like he didn't seem like the the brother that I always praise, and 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 I mean, this is his first Champions League final, so maybe I mean it's easier said than done, right? So maybe that's part of what what made him kind of you know maybe he was just nervous. Um, but I think. Well, sorry, I think I I think he was just constantly being. Uh, harassed and looking over his shoulder essentially for Conte coming in and then also always another like Manny said like a Reese James or um, any other uh, any of the other Chelsea defense so I, I just I think much can be made of the fact that it didn't look like Man City could break the Chelsea back line for large large stretches of the game and you know Pep obviously in Man City they've played three at the back teams before I don't think, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, if you can think of another team who plays three at the back and also has the quality of defense, defensive players as Chelsea. Like a lot of teams who play three at the back, it's to make up for their defensive deficiencies. Tuchel plays three at the back with quality players all across the back line. And they are, so it's like he's playing three at the back and reinforcing uh, already great players with like an additional body back there. So I saw those like multiple times, especially in the first 10 minutes of the game when Man City had a couple of chances. And then later in the game as well, it was like Man City would be breaking forward and it always seemed like there was coverage. Like there's always like one more defender than expected to be back there. It was like, oh, there's always one more man back there to that had to be bypassed or who would come in and make like a last ditch tackle. Like when the Man City player was like lining up a shot. It's like usually a three at the back team is um making up for their lack of defensive firepower in terms of quality but Chelsea like reinforces their firepower with that extra man and I think that would perhaps maybe explain some of De Bruyne's uh unlike him looking like uncomfortable on the ball or looking uh unsure of what his next move was going to be which is unlike him in most situations yeah I, I, think- I mean I I agree to, I agree with that I think the only chance that I can think of where Kevin De Bruyne looked like Kevin De Bruyne was the um, was when he got past um, Aspilicueta on the left hand side and put in that pass to Foden that looked like it was going to be a goal, and then Rudiger had that like you know timely, right. exquisite tackle. Exactly. That was the only play that I can think of where Kevin De Bruyne created, uh, you know, or put in a ball. Uh, that that would have led to goal. Like I, I, outside of that, I don't remember him making any passes forward or breaking a line or you know uh, just even creating any type of, um, of of chance. To be honest. Yeah, this three at the back thing though, Tuchel's clearly very wedded to it. You know, like so I I was a little concerned. Chelsea, uh, I would like maybe I'd be interested to hear how you felt when this happened. But when Thiago Silva went down in the first half, I was like, uh oh. Like, you know, this kind of breaks the whole system possibly. And this was like a chance where like Tuchel could have put in one of his more quality players. Like not to say Andreas Christensen is not quality, but he's clearly a caliber below. He's not quality. Let's put it. Like, <laughs> well, 
Don't sure, disrespect. Like, don't no, don't disrespect that. See, you can see the difference when he came in. He he was he was not, he didn't play play well in my opinion. Don't don't disrespect the Danish Maldini like that. Okay. Don't disrespect the Danish Maldini. <laughs> you're, you're you're disrespecting the whole of Milan by calling the Danish. Maldini. <laughs> um, no, um, that's a great I, question. And to be honest with you, uh, so two things went through my mind um, at that point. I just I, I felt for Thiago Silva because obviously we know what happened a year ago. You know, getting that far. This is a competition he's never won ever in his illustrious career. I mean, the guy has won it all except for the Champions League. Like that's that's been his like, you know, elusive competition and trophy. And uh, for him to come off, like knowing that he had worked religiously to stay fit the whole season, you know, that 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 was uh, that must have been very difficult for him. And you could see clearly how distraught he was. And when Andreas Christensen came on, I honestly was surprised by the decision because I thought um, Zuma was the person that was going to be coming in. Um, not Christensen. And the reason why I thought about Zuma is because of the um, of his height. Like he's better than Christensen aerially. He's stronger. But I have to say Christensen, even though obviously you can't compare Christensen and Thiago Silva, like they're, they're two different levels where you're right about that. But I, for what he did, he maintained that that back line, they were very, very organized. If you saw, they were all moving together up and down to Justin's point when yeah. one when one center back went up, another one would drop or someone like a wing back would drop. Like there were always players that were dropping to make up for the numbers. Um, apart from like the, the chance that got through at the very end that they had where um, I can't remember who it was across it. I think it was maybe uh, Aguero, and it went across the six-yard box, across like all four defenders, and then um, uh, Phil Foden had like a shot that was kind of shanked, but Christensen blocked it. I can't right. remember of any other thing that, or any other chance in the game that came close, even Christensen. I was surprised he actually stepped up the way that he did. Um, I, I won't say that I was that I was com- you know confident when he came in, especially for Thiago Silva, but he hey he had to do it for what 60 minutes. That's all they were asking him to do, and he pulled it off. You know, with the right game plan and with the right preparation, I think a player, particularly a defensive player, can be unremarkable individually, but exquisite in a system. And I think Chelsea's. Like, again, the three at the back with the wingbacks, I think, allows Chelsea to have a player like Christensen come in and be, you know, not nothing special on an individual level, but be that be a cog in a machine that is able to shut down the opposition's offense. So I think that um, I guess what I was saying was like, it's interesting that like it didn't even cross anybody's mind that, you know, let's put on like an actual like a, a top quality caliber player when Silva gets injured. You know, we, you could put in, uh, you know, you could put in like Kovacic and play 4-3-3, or you could put in Zayek, you're right, Zayek and play a uh, 4-2-3-1 or something like that. But that's like not even like an option. Like Tuchel's like, no, 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 we're going to be sticking with the three at the back. That's what works for us. We're going to continue to be a, de- a defense first team, even if it means like bringing on a player like Christensen instead. And it worked. Yep. And and, and so so let's go on the side of Chelsea. Um uh, obviously, Kai Havertz scores the goal. Um, I know we've talked about Chelsea a few times already while we're talking about Man City, but um, there's something that concerns me about about Chelsea, especially when it comes to next season. Um, and sure, they're a very defensive side. Um, Kante really is this team, is the midfield of the, of this the, of this team, in my opinion. Um, Mount obviously is, is amazing, um, but but the, the the attack is weird. It, it is weird. Timo Werner is not putting in how, given how much Chelsea paid, he's not producing the goals. And he made a lot of mistakes in the in the um in the game. So Manny, I guess my question to you is just, I think in that regard, I think Chelsea were lucky in a sense that hey, like that didn't hurt them because. Massey is a high-scoring team, right? So if Massey outscored them, then you know, even you know, like if Massey were able to find two goals, then they would have won the game, right? But my point is, 
Are you at all concerned about just the rate of, at which like Kai Havertz, okay, sure, Kai, Kai Havertz scored, but he's not really that number nine that you really need. Um, and Timo Werner is not a goal scorer. So where is Chelsea's goals? Like where, where are the goals going to come from next season? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And I'm going to take a, a, a page out of uh, uh, Roberto, uh, or I'm sorry, Roberto Martinez's uh, post-match analysis with Timo Werner. And yes, he was brought in with the expectations that he would produce at, you know, uh, Bundesliga stats, right? Like he had amazing stats at our RBL, um, you know, the last few seasons. But there's a lot of things that we have to remember about about this team as far as, you know, just the way that it happened, bringing in all these players, you know, bringing in on with uh, Frank Lampard, uh, a very green coach, um, you know, not having uh, trying to adapt to a to a new country, a new culture, a new team, all of that. Uh, the one thing that I, I see with him is his work rate. Like no matter what happens, you know, he can miss. Uh, he's a volume shooter, right? He's always been a volume shooter, first of all. Um, but he can miss goals left and right, but the guy never stops hustling. He never stops doing the uh, quote-unquote dirty work. And yes, I would say that, you know, in terms of if we compare his production from this season to, uh, you know, seasons past, obviously this would be one of his, if not the worst season that he's had since he started his pro career. But you can't, um, you can't knock him too much because I feel like uh, every goal scorer goes through a drought at some period in time in their in their respective careers. Like we've seen it with some great um, strikers and forwards where they'll just go through a period like a dry spell. Like they just can't hit the, the back of the net for whatever reason. But what he brings to the table is that work rate off the ball. Like if you saw him around, he's always, like I said, he's always been a nuisance to that back line. And he's always in the back of managers' minds because he has the speed. He has the, the actual technical ability to get behind the lines, to get behind. And if it weren't for VAR, man, let me tell you, if it weren't for VAR, that guy would have at least like 12 to 14 more goals in his back pocket. But thank God we're not going to get – we're not we're – not, no, you can't you can't help but think that he's been incredibly unfortunate in some of the goals that he scored where they're measuring like his toenails, you know what I mean? Like his fingernails. Like come on, you know? But um but through it, he's been probably the most criticized player of this whole squad. I'll say that. Even though his price tag, he wasn't the most expensive player, but he has been the most criticized because we expected him to hit the ground running. We expected him to bag you know, 20 goals, 10 assists, or whatever, you know, crazy stats you want to throw out there. But he is a fundamental player to the way that a squad like Chelsea plays because he creates so many options, right? He's always creating options. You see him for the goal. He actually dragged, I think it was uh, Diaz, out right. of position. Um, he, he dragged him out of position. He actually did it, that play... I remember seeing it. I told Bori, I've seen this match in English and in Spanish like four times, like two times each, just to see what the pundits say, just, you know, to get a feel for everything. And he had tried that same exact play, bringing out, drawing out the center backs and everything um, once before it actually happened in the game, before the goal actually happened. Um, he is always looking to make that run, you know. I think like if if he needs to work on anything at all, it's the fact that he needs to work on his timing. Like he has the speed; he doesn't need to take off before the ball's left because he'll get to it before most center backs will. You know, if you think about it, he's he's that fast. Um, if he works on that, I, I I have no doubt that he'll be able to you know start scoring. And like I said, uh, football is a game of confidence, especially with strikers and forwards. We've seen it before. Once you start netting a few, like that that's all you need. So obviously there are different profiles of players, but Manny's talking about Werner's movement and his like uh, intelligence of where to be on the pitch and to making to, for making spaces for his teammates reminds me an awful lot of Liverpool fans talking about Roberto Firmino 
And I'm just, I'm just like, maybe this is like, this is a tactical thing. Now all the top teams in England, uh, the thing to do is have a, a number nine who doesn't actually score goals. <laughs> about Firmino for Liverpool, Werner for Chelsea, and uh, Gabriel Jesus for Man City. <laughs> like you, you put a forward in there who, who does uh, some ephemeral something else for their teams other than scoring <laughs> goals. Hey, those players are integral, man. Uh, you can ask any Liverpool fan. Uh, I don't know about Jesus because Jesus is is I, I think has been like a bust um, when you compare him for what he was. He's a he's supposed to be a true true striker, but Timo Werner is not a true striker. He's more of a like left forward, if you will. Like I think that's his best system, playing in a two striker system, right? So like something like a like a four four two, for example. That's where he excels the most, and Chelsea hasn't been playing that system at all because, obviously, we started with uh, Tuchel. Like I said, defense wins championships. He solidified that back line, right? And, you know, it is what carried us over the line, so I won't knock on him too much. Um, I'll start judging him once we have a full preseason under Tuchel to see what happens. But the fact of the matter is that, realistically – Giroud is going to be leaving, and I hope he doesn't go to Milan because, you know, that would be a waste. Um, but uh, I, he's going to – I'm just going to act like that didn't happen. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> but the latest rumor state that he is probably going to head over to Serie A somewhere. Um, and T- Tammy Abraham is, is, is going to be out of contract. So uh, he wants to get paid. And obviously, I guess, you know, someone's going to pay him. So he'll probably end up leaving and Chelsea can't play like there's two striker spots up there for grabs. So I think we're going to be bringing someone else in. And what's going to be really interesting is if Tuchel will continue with the style of play that has, you know, generated the success this season or if he ends up switching it to accommodate for the likes of like Werner in a 4-4-2 system. Or something with the two striker system up top. Yeah. So what do we agree? The the jury's still out then about. Yeah, the, jur- the jury's still out, but he got obviously. I think his, his I don't know what his final numbers of the season were, but I think he doubled the assist. Uh, his assist total were twice as much as his goal contributions. Again, if you if you factor in VAR, <laughs> he would have had you know double digits but hey we're not going to get into that it is what it is um he still contributed is what i'm trying to get at he, he still did it and he never sulked around uh i've never heard him bad mouth or say anything about uh you know about tuchel or anybody else or even the reporters when they keep nagging him and saying hey why aren't you scoring goals why aren't you doing this like you were brought in to score goals how come you haven't done it the guy's always been the most optimistic character he's you know, I, I'll give him another – I'll give him, like, a full preseason as uh, as the same thing with, like, Zayish and some of the other folks that we brought in last season uh, to see what happens. Because, again, I think it will come down to uh, what Tuchel has in mind and in store for, for next season and what system he well, decides to play. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think I think that's uh, that's enough. Um, I think I've heard enough of, of this Champions League. <laughs> Congratulations, Chelsea. Uh, welcome to the club of two plus Champions Leagues. Um, sorry, um, Justin. Um, <laughs> two plus Champions Leagues as of right now. We'll see. As of right now. Right. Come back at me in five years, 10 years, maybe 50 years. Yeah, yeah. And, but um, um, I, now that Chelsea's won, the, I don't know how this affects the seeding for the draw for Champions League for next season, but oh man, if Chelsea and Milan were to be drawn into the I, same I, group. I will love Woo! that. I will yes. Love it. I, would love to, I would love to show Chelsea that this Champions League that they won, they, you know, it's not going to be an every year thing. They're in for it. They're probably going to take another nine years for them to win again. So, and you know what? And you, and you know what? Uh, I'll love, Justin, I'll love the fact that uh, Milan is going to try to haggle uh, Tomori's price, and then we're going to end up saying, all right, you know what? The deal's off. And then Tomori will end up playing in the team that eliminates Milan in the Champions League when we draw in the, in the group stages. So I look forward we're to gonna, that, Bori. We're, we're going to buy Tomori, and, and it's going to be great. Uh, we just want a $3 million discount. That's all. 
crossed the line and and even though the the, the linesman was there and saw it and, and that still comes up on my feed right but I, the, everyone will remember that and i still saw it this last weekend okay then there that's because the, you're embedded in milan social media space nobody outside of the milan okay, fandom it's gonna happen this. it's gonna happen to united in the future and then they're gonna call it out okay that's all that's all i gotta say unfortunately unfortunately Bori, i gotta say but uh, the same thing happened you know with lampard's ghost goal the only people that remember that the only fan base that remembers that is the losing fan base unfortunately and that's the way it goes yeah even if it if it's something that that you know you're 100 percent right about and it would have changed the outcome it is what it is and that's just you know part of the game it's yeah. okay right or wrong right i, I or know wrong. the way you're saying that right now is because you've won manny so no, uh, you, I'm saying you know what the, the, I'm I'm glad you said that because it's also uh, I want to uh, highlight before we go the great work uh, that was done by the referees of the Champions League. Like I think they were by far one of the most competent group of refs that I've seen uh, officiate a game. Um, and I bring it down to the fact that it's amazing what happens when there's a non-English, unbiased ref in charge of a game. Like, I think he did a great job calling the fouls on both sides. I think they, he did a great job managing. My only qualm is or quarrel that I have with him is the fact that they gave seven minutes of stoppage time, which is unheard of in a Champions League final. But it doesn't matter. It is what it is. So how is this? I think LaHouse is probably the best uh, ref I think we have I, right now. I, I agree. I agree. And I don't know where he's from. I don't know. Where, is he Spanish? Spanish, yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they need to obviously uh, see what that guy's doing. Right. And they need to send the likes of Mike Dean, Anthony Taylor, and all the other uh, EPL refs to, well, you know, that training that LaHouse has received. They just need to watch uh, La Liga. I think that's what they need to do. But you're right. Maybe La Jose needs to start to start a school or something um, to do this. Anyways, I think that's all we have today. Um, did, did you want to talk about any other random facts? I know you have a list of them, Manny. Save it for the next one. We have to figure out what we're going to talk about in the next one. So we got a long summer ahead of us with the facts. Of course. All right, well, I think that's all we have today. Thank you so much, Manny. Congratulations, Chelsea. Um, congratulations to Arsenal also for, for finishing top 10. Um, and uh, thank you so much, Justin, for, Thanks. for everything. Thanks, for, for joining the podcast today. Um, as usual, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.